Oh shit, you are now tuned in to the hottest sports podcast on the internet, Up in Flames, brought to you by your boy, Mo Murphy. This is where you will hear some of the hottest takes in the most raw and uncut fashion, baby. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Mo. Back with another episode of Up in Flames. Today we're going to go over the NFL Draft Recap Part 2. Today I have, once again, back with me, my boy Hefe. Hefe, say what's up. What's going on, everybody? Yep, yep. So, we're doing the NFL Draft Recap. I did one previously with my boy K-Sad. It was only right that I did one with my boy Hefe since we went over the draft two times pre-draft. So, First things first, as y'all know, Hefe a big Raiders fan. They just moved to Vegas. So I kind of want to get some insight. I know you're a big Raiders fan. You know a lot about football. So I kind of want to get some insight on how you feel about the Raiders draft. Cool, cool. All right, let's dive right into it. So um, after having some some time to kind of digest the draft, dude, honestly, um, and 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 accept what happened um as you know during the draft i was i was i was so mad bro in our group chat it was just so i was just so disappointed and underwhelmed with our picks um not that they were the worst picks ever it was just it just felt like they just weren't the picks that the raiders should have made now as far as our picks henry ruggs i mean he was one of those three big wide receivers that um was being uh you know really highly uh regarded um it 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 just felt like we could have gotten the better receiver in um in cd lamb i know jerry judy was up there too and i know there were some concerns about his knee which is why i think he might have slipped a tad bit or why the raiders might have passed on him um but the cd lamb pick to me just made the most sense just for the overall better receiver um now i get why they took rugs um that speed is you know you can't you can't teach that kind of speed that's that that speed changes games, changes defensive schemes, just like um, Kansas City does with Tyreek Hill. I'm not saying Henry Ruggs will be Tyreek Hill or that he will be better. It's the Raiders just drafted him because of the Tyreek Hill effect. You know what I mean? Like, they, they drafted him because of what he can do and what he does and, and what he changes. Um, moving on to our next pick, the Damon Arnett pick, um, I was shocked at that pick, not because I don't think he's a good quarter, cornerback or because um, – that he wasn't going to go second round or so. Um, I know earlier in the year, there was some mock drafts for him going in the first round, like late first round. Um, it, it, it just, it, they, after digesting the pick, it makes sense why the Raiders went that way. The Raiders just had him ranked higher than most other teams. And, and, and the crazy part about it, and the, you know, the pick was ridiculed, but we don't know what teams big boards are. Some teams have some cornerbacks ranked higher than others. We don't know what every team's uh, big board was ranked. So um, the Damon Arnett pick, it, it's a solid pick. It's just kind of – it was kind of a reach only because the Raiders didn't have a second-round pick. That's why they took him at 19. They didn't pick again until pick 80. And so the Raiders had him ranked high enough to where they had to reach for him at 19 simply because they didn't have a second-round pick. Um, now, Damon Arnett, the only reason for research that I've done is that he had a, a – um, a second or third round uh, grade was because of some potential um, character issues that he had early on in his career at Ohio State. Um, 
but all reports and all indications are that ever since he had his daughter, I believe, about a year ago, that his maturity level has really gone up. Um, and that's the only thing that I've read that could potentially have knocked him down a little bit. The, if, I, if I'm correct, I think he gave up two touchdowns in three years at Ohio State, like in his career. Um, now, that, by, by looking into that number, you got to think, look at the cornerbacks that they've had the last three years. That means that Damon Arnett was being targeted targeted more because they were not going to go after Okuda or Denzel Ward. So that means that Arnett was going to be targeted. And the fact that he only gave up two touchdowns to those two or three years that he was a starter, it's actually pretty crazy because teams were, were going at him. Um, so after digesting the pick, I think the Damon Arnett pick, it was a reach, but it was a reach, a reach for a need and a reach for a quality player. So I still don't like the pick, but I understand it and, I, and I've accepted it. Moving on to our third round, this is where I, it got kind of loopy for me, um, where I think it was just – I was expecting linebacker, another cornerback, offensive line help, maybe even a quarterback. But they went back-to-back receivers and Lynn Bowden. Now, Lynn Bowden, I, I've seen one one big board. Um, I forgot who the guy's name was. He was a uh, um, a uh, verified uh, Twitter user for I forgot which network. Um, he actually had Lynn Bowden Jr. ranked as number number fifty for the overall prospect. So um, I know I know why they drafted him. They wanted to have their 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 gadget player on 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 offense. Whether he could play quarterback, running back, he rushed for sixteen hundred yards last year as a running back. Um, wide receiver, he's going to be a real shifty guy. You line him up in the slot, line him up in the backfield, line him up at quarterback. You know, kind of a our, our Taysom Hill slash Antoine Randall L gadget player. Um, so that pick, it is, it, it. I thought they could have gotten a better player at, with that pick, but again, I the Raiders are in. They're in competition in the AFC West, where every team is loaded with offensive weapons. So I see why we're playing catch up. That's what the this Raiders draft class was is a catch up draft class because they're trying to catch up. The Kansas City trying to catch up to what the Denver did in the draft. So I get that pick. Again, I don't love it. I'm not saying that I'm, I'm not trying to justify it. I'm just trying to tell you guys on the surface what the pick, why they did that pick. Brian Edwards is another guy. They took him right after at 81. He's an all-time receiver at South Carolina, if I'm not correct. If I'm uh, not mistaken, I'm sorry. Um, all-time leader in receptions, yards, and touchdowns, I believe. And, you know, Gable Samuel went there. Alshon Jeffrey went there. I'm not saying that he's going to be better than those guys or just as good, but – Again, six foot three receiver, physical, great hands, with a uh, a good little pedigree as far as uh, his stats behind him. So you can kind of see why the Raiders did that. I didn't think we needed another wide receiver at eighty one. I was kind of hoping for a linebacker, or even I know he went. I know he ended up going much later, but I was uh, actually kind of wanting um, the cornerback from Virginia, Bryce Hall, there. But obviously, we didn't take him. Um, and then pick ninety one was our next pick in the third round. I think that's where we took Tanner Muse. Um, and that's another pick that where where Mike Mayock loves his Clemson guys. If you look at our if you look at our last two drafts, it's literally all Alabama and Clemson players for the most part. You know what I mean? Like yeah, Ohio State to build too. Something there as far as like that pedigree, the foundation. Go ahead. What was you gonna say? Oh uh, no, I was just saying. You know, Ohio, they they got a couple Ohio State players too. You know, when they drafted um Conley, then you know they got Arnett. So. Like you said, you know, you've previously said before that the Raiders like big, pre- you know, pedigree guys, championship pedigree, them big schools, you know, goes after Alabama, Clemson, the, the Ohio State. He likes the guys that have played under proven coaches from what it seems like, you know, obviously the later in the rounds you get, the less um 
high pedigree guys you get, but you know, early rounds, bro, he goes after guys that are that are in a winning culture in college, under winning coaches, you know, under all time coaches. You know, Nick Saban's an all time coach. Dabo Sweeney is building his resume as an all time coach. Urban Myers an all time coach. He's gone now. We have Ryan Day, but a guy like Ryan Day, Urban Meyer picked him as his successor and for obvious reasons after year one. So, you know, Ohio State will continue to have that championship pedigree, you know, competing in the playoffs and things like that. We're going to constantly have players get drafted, and I'm sure we're going to constantly have players that are going to the Raiders just because it seems like, you know, especially out of Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State, that's the route he goes. So, Yeah, no, I agree. Um and like I said, the, the fourth round, the, the end of the third round pick, that's where they took Tanner Muse. He's a linebacker safety hybrid. He's, I think he's like six foot three, six foot four. Um, he's probably gonna play more linebacker for us. But I think we drafted him just so that we could have bodies on the big, on you know, on the on the big name tight ends in our division, whether it's Travis Kelsey, whether it's Noah Fant, whether it's uh, Hunter Henry. He's gonna be a guy that I'm not gonna say he's a he's a lockdown guy at, at tight end, but he's just gonna be a body. A, a, a big body that you're going to be able to put on those tight ends. And I think that's why they drafted him. He went a little bit higher than what he should have. He probably, he's probably a fourth or fifth round guy, but they took him at a hundred overall to trade him back. Um, it, it, it was a reach. It was a reach. The Raiders draft felt like it was just a lot, a lot of reaches with the exception of where they got John Simpson, the, the guard in the fourth round at 109th overall. This is the, this was a quality pick that I, he kind of ended up falling to us. I think pro football focus had him ranked as a number one, um, run blocking guard in the draft, and we got him in the fourth round. Um, and he's six foot four, three twenty one, big dude out of Clemson. You know, a second team, all, a second team All American. You know, he he's played at Clemson. He Clemson, and he was a you know he's he was a stud on the offensive line. My favorite pick out of a whole draft though was Amik Robinson, Amik Robertson, and the, uh, the cornerback in the fourth round, one hundred twenty ninth overall. This dude's five foot five foot eight, one eighty seven, but he plays a lot bigger than what he is. He's just a dog in the slot. It, we got kind of lucky with him because after the Arnett pick, I, I was looking at our roster. I was like, dude, who's going to be our number three cornerback or our slot guy? Um, at the time, we had, uh, which you guys just signed. Um, man, I forget his quarterback Daryl Worley. Um, it just, yeah, Daryl Worley. Um, I, I wasn't too confident in him just because, uh, you know, he he has had some issues with us, but I think he, was, he wasn't going to resign with us anyway. But when we took uh, Amit Robertson, I was like, dude, that's just great value. In the in the uh, fourth round for a need that we needed, which is you know pretty pretty hefty. Um, overall, like I had said earlier, the Raiders draft felt underwhelming. It just it just felt underwhelming, and I was so deflated after the draft. So I was like, man, we could have had so many great players, and it hurt not having to play a dra- uh, a pick in the second round because we saw all those names sitting there in the second round. It was crazy how the amount of talent that was sitting there in the second round. A lot of players fell, and it just felt. It felt underwhelming and, 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 and deflating, man. The draft, I'm not saying that our draft is a failure, but it just on the surface, it feels like the Raiders could have just had so much better talent pick. Um, and, and that's just kind of where I'm going to leave it at with the Raiders, man. I, I just feel like I'm hoping that I'm hoping I'm wrong. I am hoping I'm so wrong, and I'm hoping that these players end up hitting a lot bigger than what they what I think they are. Um, but it just felt, it felt kind of underwhelming. But at the same time, it's kind of hard for me to say that I'm not excited about a player like Emmy Robertson, or I'm not excited about a player like Henry Ruggs, and I'm not excited for a player like Damon Arnett. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just feels like we could have had better, but I'm hoping for the best. And, yeah, dude, that's that's, that's what I'm going to leave my Raiders at. We're just, it's a work in progress for sure. Yeah. um, You know, I'm going to get in a little bit with you. I, I talked about it on a previous episode with my boy KSAB, but it, it's nothing like um talking with you, too. Um. So I'm pretty satisfied. Actually, I'm very satisfied with the improvement of the Cowboys in the offseason. Um, I think we had a 
B plus to A draft grade. Um, I, I'd give us an A, and that could be a personal bias, but there'll be a lot of people that agree with me. Um, I personally think, like, looking at a lot of our picks, well, really looking at all of our picks, I think they were all steals. Like, I think we got everybody, everybody that was sitting there that we got, we got, and we thought they would be off the board. Like, yeah, we ranked CeeDee Lamb on our big board, but we really thought we had no chance of getting him. And for him to fall to 17 was like, we took a luxury pick instead of a necessity. We didn't need another wide receiver. We could have addressed that second, third, fourth round um, since it was such a loaded wide receiver draft class. But with a guy like CeeDee Lamb sitting there, you have to go ahead and jump out there and reach or whatever you want to consider it. Sometimes you got to go with best available instead of going with first need. Um, we addressed... All of our needs, for the most part, um, the one of my favorite picks we got in Neville Gillimore, uh, the defensive tackle from Oklahoma. We got him in the third round. Um, a lot of people didn't have him making it to the third round. We got Trayvon Diggs deep in the second round. A lot of people had him gone by then. I mean, there was a couple of mock drafts that actually had us possibly reaching for Trayvon Diggs at pick number 17. Now, I, I always said, you know, I wanted Trayvon Diggs, but... That was a guy I was looking at in the second round. You know, even if we would have went and not went CeeDee Lamb and was able to get Xavier McKinney and Trayvon Diggs, that would have been an A grade to me too because we addressed the safety and the cornerback need. Um, But with what we lost and and then what we gained, uh, we got that center from Wisconsin in the um in the fourth round. And to be honest, like I, I know – Yeah, and he was he's a center at Wisconsin. And as you've seen, there was a center – coming out of the Big Ten that went the first round with Cesar Ruiz. Now, I understand his grade may not be better, and he may not be a better center coming out of Wisconsin, but at the same time, this is the guy that won the best center. You know, he was an uh, All-American, and he won the best center in the country award last season, and you've seen a center play in the same conference go first round. So I think it's a steal. He, may, he obviously wasn't worth a first-round pick. But getting him in the fourth round, I think, was a steal. Getting another corner uh, later on in the draft, I think Bradley and I was, um, or Bradley and A, however you say his name, I think that was a true steal. He was third team All American, uh, first team, you know, considered basically the best defensive end, one of the two best defensive end in the Pac 12 the last two years. Third team All American. Um, I was reading his grade and kind of the analytics on him. He's kind of, he's not the greatest athlete. He's not the, you know, he doesn't have the longest arm. His reach isn't, you know, playing with the hands isn't his cup of tea. But just getting a guy, if, if all these draft picks hit, because I feel like they were all steals, if they all hit and go over the, play better than the value that they were at in the draft, then then I definitely think in the long term, um, we, we won the draft. I'm not going to say we're the biggest winners of the draft, but we definitely are a team that won the draft. Uh, my personal opinion, just looking at our picks, looking at the needs we filled. So we we pretty much covered everything but safety. Like, and I was even hearing a possibility that you know one of the corners that we drafted, whether it's Trayvon, Trayvon Diggs or whether it be the other one, um, that they possibly could fit in at safety. So you know, um, I feel really good about the Cowboys going into next season. Hopefully, there is a season. But um, I feel really good about our roster. Um, we got a new coach. We we did pretty decent um, in replacing some needs and just adding some depth in a, a free agency. So I definitely think after free agency in the draft, we are one of the big winners, not the biggest, but one of the big winners. And with me saying that, um, who do you think some of the biggest winners 
or the biggest winner? Like, who are your four or five biggest winners after free agency in the draft? It doesn't have to be in order. Just, you know, give me a few of your teams that are on your biggest winners after the free agency and draft. For sure, for sure. And I, and I remember telling you this during the draft, too. I think the Dallas, the Dallas Cowboys killed the draft. I was, I was just, man, these, these guys are just plucking, plucking off players, like, not only for need, but like great value. Um, I know you mentioned um, CD Lamb. You guys had him reportedly like number six overall on your big board. Got him at seventeen. You cannot pass a guy like that up. Um, next pick, Trayvon Diggs. I love that pick. He's a, you know six foot one, six foot two cornerback who has about two years of experience at cornerback, so he's only going to get better. He kind of reminds me of Marcus Peters with his size and he's, and he's pretty physical, man to man coverage. Um, that's the pick that I really, really love. Um, the Neville Gallimore pick out of Oklahoma. I don't really know too, too much about him. Um, but I know you guys lost some guys at, at deep tackle. Um, so, you know, worst case scenario, he's a, he's a deaf guy or just, you know, a, a space eater. Um, your fourth pick was Reggie Robinson, the cornerback out of Tulsa. Um, he's another guy that he's, he could move to safety just because he has some issues with uh, man coverage. He's more of a, a zone guy. Um, so I think he would kind of be one of those guys that you use in, in both situations. Your fifth round pick, Tyler uh, Biadaz, a.k.a. Tyler Badass was a guy that, dude, he was actually going, like, first or second round in a lot of mocks early in the, early in the year. The only reason he got knocked down in a lot of big boards is because he has a, a medical red flag issues. I think, like, two years in a row he's had either season-ending season injuries or some kind of major injury. But he's a guy that if you if you hit on him, dude, you talk about, like, a the, the, the heart and soul and captain of one of the most um, – uh, one of the best um, – Offensive lines in college football, and you know, with 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 a pedigree at Wisconsin, they just breed dogs in the Big Ten. You know, just big hogs, just maulers. So, the fact that he was the captain on on on, you know, usually one of the best offensive lines in college football, and he won that award last year. Great value. I think he's going to be a dude that you're going to be like, man, we got so lucky to draft him. He's going to be one of those like, anchor guys on your offensive line. Centers are usually the quarterback of the offensive line. They they're the ones that usually call out uh, packages and glitches if they see them, they pick them up. Your fifth round pick, Bradley Anaya out of Utah. Again, he's probably she probably should have gone to second or third round. He had an awesome uh, senior bowl. Um, he's not the longest, not the strongest, not the fastest, but he has a lot of bend, man, up the edge. He's real bendy, real twitchy. So I think he's gonna be a guy that you guys are gonna love over there. Um, and now as far as other other teams, I loved your guys' class. I love Baltimore's class. Man, Baltimore had a awesome class where they just had guys falling to them. They got better. J.K. Dobbins, you know. Um, it, it was just crazy to see like what they did. They Malik Harrison. It's just like the rich getting richer, man. It was so crazy. And they got another guy on the offensive line in the fourth round out of Michigan, Bren, uh, Ben Breederson, another hog on the offensive line, the Big Ten guy. It, it's it, it was just crazy to see that class. And then they also drafted a uh, SMU's uh, James Proche, Proche. I think his name is. Uh, he had 301 receptions, 3,900 uh, – almost almost 4,000 receiving yards and 39 touchdowns during his four years uh, with the team. Awesome, awesome pick. Um, Baltimore had an awesome draft. Um, and then also um, uh, I already mentioned Dallas. Uh, I, I thought Carolina did a good job by drafting all seven players on the defensive end of the ball. That's pretty crazy because they're, they're committed to fixing – the you know, building, building through the defense. Um in, in, in the Vikings, the Vikings had an awesome draft, traded back once or twice, I believe, but they just were just landing guys with great value. Uh, Justin Jefferson, you know, him and Adam Thielen could be a good little good little um, duo over there. Um, then they took Jeff Gladney, the cornerback out of TCU, with their second pick in the first. Um, they, 
Ezra Cleveland. You know, they just, I'm just looking at Cameron Dantzler. They just thought Troy Dye. They took all these dudes, like, that, like, you guys and with Baltimore fell to them right to their laps. They got so lucky, and these teams got so better, so much better, and they didn't have to reach for nobody. They didn't have to do a whole lot of, you know, trade trade ups and give up a second round next year, third round next year, whatever. They just got so good, and, and I, it's exciting. And they're, not, they're not even my teams, but I just get excited for teams like that because like, they just killed the draft. They got better with the need to get better. They added uh, wealth to, in areas where they didn't need to, but they just added more wealth, more, you know, they, they, they're they investing in their guys. Um, Arizona also had a good draft in the sense of just because of where they got um, the kid out of Houston to tackle. Josh Jones, I believe, awesome pick. They got so lucky. He was like a second-round guy, They and, 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 and they got him in the third round. I felt like they probably should have gone Tristan Wirfs in the first round. If they could have got Tristan Wirfs and, and Josh Jones out of Houston, you're talking about them addressing <laughs> Kyler's blind side and, the, and, and his strong side with the tackles. But they got Isaiah Simmons. He's just, he's just the guy that um, – that hopefully teams can kind of figure out. Uh, uh, hopefully the Cardinals can can actually get his position down and, and use him adequately. Um, but they also had a pretty solid draft. But uh, for sure, those three Baltimore, Dallas, and Minnesota were by far my three favorite drafts. Shout out to Cleveland too. Cleveland had a actually a pretty solid draft and free agency. You're talking about who they took and who they signed. They've they've addressed that offensive line. They got a safety, which I predicted that pick in one of our other podcasts where I said Grant Delpit to Cleveland in the second round would be an awesome pick. Sure enough, that's where he goes. Um, but those are the teams, the teams just on the surface by looking at it um, that I'm just like, man, these teams got so much better and they were already on the brink of being playoff teams, if not Super Bowl contenders. Yeah, um, I agree with you. I was waiting to see if you was going to say Cleveland just because that was um, that's honestly one of the most improved teams, if not the most improved as far as where they were before free agency in the draft and where they are after free agency in the draft me saying that Cleveland is probably the most improved team is not me saying they are the best team I'm just looking at where they were before the draft and free agency and where they are now that the draft and pretty much free agency is over with like you said in in they signed Jack Conklin they drafted Makai Becton they they got Grant Delpit that's going to be a pretty scary secondary with Greedy Williams Grant Delpit and Denzel Ward. I mean, you literally talking about DBU in their secondary between LSU and Ohio State. Um, uh, get, signing Austin Hooper, adding another weapon to Baker Mayfield. While uh, it didn't oh, look that, like the greatest, yeah, and it didn't look like the signing that made the most sense at the time because of how much they paid for him. But if you really think about it, there's a lot of quarterbacks that don't have the big arms that like their tight end can be their safety valve in. That was even a signing of, like, we need a safety valve with no protection. And then they go get Jack Conklin. And then they sign, uh, draft Makai Becton. So I think they addressed a lot of needs. Um, Obviously, Makai Becton going in the first round to Cleveland is a great pick for them. To me, obviously, Del Pitt going in the second round, falling to them in the second round is a great pick for them. Um, But I know a lot of people don't pay attention to later on in the draft. And a pick that I think could really work out in his favor and in Cleveland's favor is the fact that Cleveland drafted Donovan Peoples-Jones. Now, me being a big Ohio State fan, which means I watch a lot of Big Ten. Obviously, I watch all these Big Ten teams when they play versus Ohio State, but I, I keep up with the Big Ten a lot because I I'm trying to see our, our true competition, like who's going to stop us from winning the Big Ten championship. And Donovan Peoples-Jones was a very solid – he was a really good wide receiver in college – I know, like, I think his last year kind of hurt his 
you know, before coming into the season, he really was like a third or fourth round guy. Um, and even still, like he was a third or fourth round guy with potential to boost his stock instead of hurt his stock. He didn't give the uh, the production they expected. I mean, part of that is Michigan didn't really have a, a good quarterback, a great quarterback. I mean, you know what I mean? So I do take that into account. But I think Donovan Peoples-Jones being a young rookie receiver, being the third, arguably even the fourth because they just back, brought back Rashard Higgins. So he might even be that fourth option in a spread offense. And you know what I'm saying? You'll have Odell, Jarvis Landry, Higgins, Peoples-Jones. You'll have Austin Hooper. You have two dogs in the backfield at running back with Chubb and Hunt. Like, on paper, Cleveland might have one of the most loaded offenses on paper. I mean, yeah, you still have Kansas City. I feel like City. Cleveland doesn't have it feels like Cleveland doesn't have an excuse this year, dude. They should. Keyword here, they should be a much improved team and and actually a, a team to compete for the um AFC North. They should, dude. They like you were just saying, they on paper they got a they got a roster, a loaded roster on both offense and defense. It's just a matter of Baker's progression and a matter of the coaching staff because the players are there the players and the talents it's it, it there so it's just a matter of, of them getting it right and moving forward but they are a team that i'm keeping my eye on and they might be the most improved team this year i would not be surprised to see them win 10 11 12 games it, it's crazier things have happened they're in a division to where baltimore is clear cut the best team there but you know they could easily be that second one one of those wild card teams to sneak in with a 10 and 6 record you know or 11 and 5 they are much improved like you said and and, and, and I'm excited for them, man. And, and I usually am not because one of our good friends, uh, uh, Nicholas, there, uh, he uh, he's a Cleveland fan, and we've given him shit for about eight years now about the Browns. But it seems like they finally have got their onto something over there. Yeah, and, and so I'm definitely looking forward to what some of these improved teams are. Uh, you know, Cleveland, they should be really exciting. They really should have no excuse. I personally think my Cowboys at this point have no excuse. Um We've, we've pretty much had a pretty talented roster these past couple years, and our excuse has been, whether it's it's just an excuse to make us ourselves feel better about our roster, our excuse has been Jason Garrett. We got Mike McCarthy, so we can't blame the coach anymore. The talent is there. Um, we could we could be a little more talented for sure on the defensive side, but Mike McCarthy is an offensive coach anyway. You know, he, he won a Super Bowl with the team, with the Packers. Yes, he had Aaron Rodgers and Dak Prescott. has no Aaron Rodgers. I'm not going that route. But I'm just saying, he didn't have the strongest defense at the time when they won the Super Bowl, but he had a dynamic offense. Now he has all the players. I mean, you give him, this is the best situation for Mike McCarthy to return to football as a head coach. You're giving him an all-pro running back and Zeke. You're possibly, you know, I can't say he's our franchise quarterback right now because we haven't signed him to prove that he's our franchise quarterback. But I think this might just be a prove-it year. For Mike McCarthy, because being a new head coach, you want to make sure that Dak is your guy because coaches lose jobs about quarterbacks. If if they commit to quarterbacks and the quarterbacks don't do their job, then a lot of teams won't be good without that quarterback, especially that franchise quarterback doing their job. In the same way that quarterback finds himself cut on the bench or whatever, you find that coach out of there and they're looking for a new coach. So he's he might not be willing to bank his future on Dak this year because he wants to see how Dak fits in his system. He may have some questions and he wants some answers or he just want to make sure like he might feel he wants to make sure he's 100% comfortable with Dak and his system. That's my thinking. I don't know anything. I'm just thinking that's my thinking and why we didn't sign Dak because you know what I'm saying? To me, there's no other reason not to sign Dak. I think he's proved that he could be our franchise quarterback. Um, 
you know, once I started seeing that they're not committing, I'm kind of, oh, well, maybe if we trade him and grab him or something like that. But the draft is over with. Um, if we commit to Dak, Dak has no excuse this year. If this is a prove-it year to Mike McCarthy and his system, Dak has no excuse this year having CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, you know, Blake Jarwin at tight end, all-pro running back in Zeke, and you have Tony Pollard back there. You still have an elite offensive line. They may be on the decline, so that's something to watch out for. Our offensive line on the decline is something to watch out for. But, you know, he has no excuses on the offensive side of the ball. Um, like you said, with the Ravens, the Ravens improved a lot. They got Patrick Queen to kind of be the middle linebacker, the Ray Lewis, C.J. Mosley. Granted, he may not be as good as, obviously, I don't expect him to be the next Ray Lewis, and he may not even be as good as C.J. Mosley, but if if he can fill that void, then that was a perfect pick. I think it was a great pick in the first round. You know, they were able to get J.K. Dobbins. Mark Ingram is getting up there in age. They're going to have a two-headed monster this year in Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins, and to me, Dobbins fits with the Ravens because they built their offense around Lamar Jackson, which is that run-pass option and all that other stuff is the same offense they've been running at Ohio State for years. So all these running backs are accustomed to the type of offense the Ravens run. So I think Dobbins is a perfect fit in Baltimore. Shout-out to Dobbins. I hope he does great. You know, I hope all the Ohio State players do great. Um, Minnesota definitely improved, like, all the teams you hit. There's also one more team I think we're forgetting about that I really like their draft. Is the Indianapolis Colts? I like the I Colts draft. Like, I, that, that was on the tip of my tongue too. I was just thinking about the, who they drafted. I, I like the, the Colts draft and, uh, because Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, they, 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 uh, and Jacob Eason. Like he, yeah. Yeah, I like the sure trade. I like the first round pick they gave up for DeForest Buckner. You know, address your defensive line. Then, so to not have a first round pick to be able to land Michael Pittman Jr. and uh, Jonathan Taylor, and you know Jonathan Taylor. Uh, we, we know what Jonathan Taylor is, and we know that Colts offensive line is still really good. They're an elite offensive line also. They're in the conversation of arguably the best offensive line in football. They have been in that conversation the past couple years. They got Jacob Eason later, so, you know, you're going to have Phillip Rivers this year. I very seriously doubt Eason's even going to see a lick of playing time in the regular season, barring any injuries from Phillip Rivers. Um, but like I said, to in the second round, to me, to get Michael Pittman Jr. and Jonathan Taylor was a win to me already like the Colts believe it or not to me didn't really have a lot of holes and it's it may seem like but you know with the retirement of Andrew Luck and throwing Jacoby Brissett in there and he's not you know he's a guy that can fill in he's a backup quarterback he's a solid backup quarterback he's a guy that can fill in if your quarterback misses a couple games but they depend on him to be your starter all season you know already kind of throws things out of whack and I think I thought there was like some with Andrew Luck retiring, I thought there was some like like a loss of motivation, a loss of like excitement for the season with the Colts inside the organization and just Colts Nation in itself because that, that retirement threw everybody off. I mean, I didn't expect it. I don't know if anybody else did, but I don't think many people expected Andrew Luck to retire. Um, they have some weapons, adding Michael Pittman Jr. They have Paris Campbell. They have T.Y. Hilton. Um, you know what I'm saying? They got Jack Doyle at tight end. So, there's a lot of things that I think the Colts can do. Um, if Phillip Rivers can, uh, I guess Phillip Rivers is like my biggest question just because we've seen what he did with a lot of weapons with the Chargers and he wasn't, or what he wasn't able to do. Um, but the Colts have a really good team. They have a good defense. After free agency or that trade they made for DeForest Buckner after the draft, I think they're also right in that talk of most improved. And I think 
The Colts are going to be in the playoffs next year. You know, the Ravens will probably possibly arguably finish with the best regular season record out the AFC next year. Um, with as much as they improved and as little that they lost, uh, you know, Kansas City is always going to be right there. So it's I think it's going to be a lot of good football. Um, the NFC South is going to be tough. And the AFC West is going to be one of the toughest divisions in football to me. How I'm looking at it, like, the Raiders were 8-8 eight and eight and easily could have been 10-6. and six. The Broncos finished, what, 7-9 and nine and easily could have been 8-8, eight 9-7. Eight, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Um, the Chargers, they, they, they have some questions for me as, long, as far as committing to Tyrod Taylor, but they did draft Justin Herbert. They have weapons. Their defense was banged up throughout the season last year. So if they have a fully healthy roster, the Chargers are going to be something to reckon with. And I think the AFC West, when they start playing them games, they're going to start knocking each other heads around. And it's not going to be a cakewalk for Kansas City like it seemed last year because the Raiders are improved. Regardless of how people agree with their picks or not, the Raiders are improved. The To me, the Broncos improved, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And the Chargers are coming back fully healthy. And if they want to commit to Tyrod Taylor, cool. If Justin Her Herbert becomes the day one starter and he has a solid rookie season, the, the Chargers are going to be something to reckon with. You know, the NFC South is going to be what it's going to be. They got to added Tom Brady and Gronk to the Bucks, so now the Bucks are a factor. But one thing I was thinking with this draft is I, I kind of want to ask you, do you think the way the draft was set up is why so many teams we feel like got steals when they drafted certain players? Like, do you think the way it was set I up? I think so, because... I think so, dude, because a lot of teams weren't able to do their due diligence and have these have these meetings and have, you know, the resources to actually scout these guys a little bit deeper. I think that could have been a, a factor and for sure players uh, slipping and falling into second, third rounds. Yeah, I mean, I've actually, I mean, I've read reports of, of some teams saying that they were affected in one way or another um, as far as in their talent evaluation. So that very well probably was a, a factor for sure, yeah. And I think some guys stock, like with all this, I think some guys stock dropped. Because typically, if you have a bad combine or a disappointing combine, they expect you have your pro day to make up for that. You know, typically you have that pro day, and then you have you know when they start visiting these teams, not only do they meet with these teams in a room and meet all the coaches and sit there and go over game film, they work out for these coaches. So they you know they get their coaches to sit there and they go meet with these teams and they work out. So I think that has something to do with it. Um, and I think with the way it was set up, you didn't have all these guys sitting in a one war room overthinking picks i think a lot of guys yeah. went with some just went with best available and some guys like they just when you put all these minds in one war room sometimes they overthink it and think too deep like sometimes they read numbers too much if you like what you see on film in college and you think what you've seen on film in college can relate i think sometimes the combine holds a little too much weight because it could knock a guy that had a great season and you're like well he had a bad day he may not have stretched the right way and ran a four five instead of a four four you know, so I, I'm not a – the comp mine is good on measurements, perfect, but – I have a perfect example for what you just said, dude. Um, there's a guy drafted by the Bills in the second round, I believe, um, A.J. Panezza. His combine was average. He had like a like an average combine. He didn't blow any any teams away. Like he, he had an average combine. But the proof in the pudding for him is in his film. If you watch his film, he was terrorizing guys all over the Big Ten all year long. You know, and the Big Ten has one of the best – offensive lines and he was just destroying dudes so it's kind of one of the, that's the situation to where Epineza fell into that category where yeah his combine wasn't very good or his workout or his you know pro day or whatever 
but the, his film shows otherwise. His film shows that this dude's elite. So another, that's another another team too that uh, Buffalo Bills. They added a guy like AJ Panesa in an all already loaded defense. That's a, that's a scary team too, man. That's another team we'll watch out for in the, a, in the AFC next year. Yeah, and, and that's I'd be shocked to see them in the AFC title game. And that's why I say like the the setup. Obviously, this isn't gonna be the future setup. They're not gonna do things virtually. Once we get back to being out and about, they're gonna do it the same way because. You know, at the same time, I think some of these players got lost the opportunity of being able, especially these first and second round picks, walking up there, you know, shaking Roger Goodell's hand or, or giving him a hug or whatever it is they do. But that opportunity to really have the spotlight on them on the stage, be able to hold that jersey up. You know what I'm saying? They got to do it and celebrate minimal people inside their home. So I think they lost an experience. But at the same time, this draft class is going to be a part of history because this is going to be a draft class that's going to be remembered. For, for NFL history, just because it was the first time it was virtually done, you know, during the pandemic, it gave us all hope. So this this is a historical draft, no matter which way it went, no matter what teams are satisfied with what they got or anything like that, it's going to go down in history as a historical draft. But I still think those guys got shafted a little bit of, you know, that opportunity. But I do th- I do like the idea of sometimes people went with what the, with went with their gut instead of getting in the war room and just listening to all these opinions and all these scouts and all these analytics. Analytics destroys things sometimes because they analyze it so much to the core that you're like, there's so many pointless stats out there. There really is like there's so many things I see and I'll be like, who really cares? Like it'd be like this dude hasn't thrown an interception. After throwing one interception in the first game in 10 years, like they, they bring up so random stats. Like once he throws his first pick, he doesn't throw one another hundred, you know, passes. So, you you know, it's just so many stats that just don't make sense. But like I said, like, you know, I, I do think it had an effect, but I think it benefited a lot of more teams. I think it benefited a lot of the good teams just because a lot of the good teams improved based off of guys falling in their lap. All the teams you name, like guys fell in their lap. So, you know, and there's a lot I'm, I'm really excited to to watch. So hopefully we do have a football season because I want to see how this AFC West is going to pan out. I want to see if Kansas City is going to be able to get through there with the same domination that they've had. I don't think so. I think it's going to be a lot tougher. You know, the, them games against the Broncos is not going to be easy. The Raiders is not going to be easy. I kind of want to see what's going to happen with the quarterback battle in, in Vegas with Derek Carr and Mariota. It, did Mariota get brought in to be the backup or did he get brought in to have a shot at taking Derek Carr's um, starting spot. You know, it's just a lot of things coming into the season that I'm really, I really want to see. I want to see, are the Ravens going to be able to take that step to kind of make it to the AFC Championship? Like, it's just, it's so many questions. Are my Cowboys going to be able to get to the playoffs? And if so, getting to the playoffs to me at this point is not enough. You got to win one or two games. I, I mean, we need to see us in the NFC Championship. With the roster, with the new coach, there's just no excuses. But, you know, it's just so many questions, and the draft gave us hope, and, and I'm hoping there's an NFL season. And um, I'd like to say thank you for being a guest. You know, you're going to be on in the near future. You know, you're going to consistently be my guy. You know what I'm saying? So I appreciate you for being on. Um, y'all follow my Instagram, Mo underscore up in flames. Y'all follow my Twitter, Mo underscore up in flames. Y'all add my Facebook page, the Up in Flames Sports Podcast Show. Check me out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor. Um, Like, comment, share, subscribe. Give me some feedback. Let me know what you'd like to hear about on the next episode. Let me know what guests you like, what guests you don't like. You know, I I like all my guests I've had so far. Let me hear who you want to hear. 
Um, if you have something for Hefe, let me know and I get it to him and he'll address it on the uh, on the episode in the future. And on that note, Murph out.